Hi, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. I'm your host, Dina McKay. Before I introduce this episode's podcast guests, I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you. Without your commitment to listen to this podcast, it wouldn't exist. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening and sharing with your friends and spreading Black Tech Unplugged by word of mouth. Thank you so much. I do still kind of need your help. I know you guys are enjoying the Black Tech Unplugged episodes. Otherwise, I don't think you would still be listening or subscribe to the podcast. I want to encourage you to leave a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or however you're listening to the podcast. I would really love if you post about the podcast on social media. Tag us and tell me and your followers what you like about the episode and what your favorite parts are. Let's connect and share Black Tech Unplugged with everyone. Also, I want to take a moment to recognize those that are cleaning up from some of the natural disasters, such as Hurricane Irma and Harvey, those that are dealing with landslides in Sierra Leone and other disaster recovery that's going on in the world. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. Okay, now let's get on to today's podcast guest, shall we? On this brand new episode, I have Rohan Giltz of Inclusive. He's going to talk about building a dream team, how to pivot quickly, and the many lessons he's learned from building inclusive. And for those of you who don't know what inclusive is, it's a platform where people of all backgrounds can travel and stay with respect, dignity, and love. Think of it similar to Airbnb minus a few features. You probably don't understand what I mean by that now, but as you listen to the episode, you'll get a better understanding. So let's get it. Hi, everyone. We have a very welcomed guest on this new episode. We have Rohan from Inclusive. Hi, Rohan. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So, Rohan, for people who might not know what Inclusive is, do you want to give them a little, the listeners a little highlight about what goes on with Inclusive? Sure. Inclusive is a short-term rentals platform, very much like Airbnb. and home away and some of the other offerings on the market. And what we do is, um, you know, build, we're building a platform that allows people of all backgrounds to travel and see the world without the uncertainty of prejudice and bias and discrimination. Um, so there's, there's quite a few things that we're doing to kind of build a safe platform for, for diverse people to just, have fun and, and, and travel. That's awesome. Now I want to take a second just so we can give the listeners a little info. Obviously we've seen the issues with Airbnb and you know, the racial issues that have kind of come into play. How are you different from Airbnb and your other competitors? Yeah. So there, there, there are some things that we are doing differently. For example, there was a Harvard study that came out on like showing how just having like your an African American name reduces your chances by sixteen percent that you will be approved for a rental on Airbnb. And in that study, they made several recommendations around you know how to deal with explicit and implicit bias. And so one of the things that we recognized was that people would you know look at someone's picture or look at their name and use that to kind of make this judgment on how good of a guest they would be 
And in our estimation, we think that there are other factors that will determine if this person will be a good guest or not. So we don't. Uh, so one of the things we do is we introduce the guests and the host um, only after the booking is confirmed. So the host doesn't see the guest's picture. Um, other things we do, um, you know, like if you were to deny a person for to stay at your property for certain days, you can't then make those dates available to someone else. I mean, unless there's some very good reason. Other things we do, like if you look at branding, we really address presenting a diverse group of people on our website and in our communication. And we think that this, just just straight up, it will reduce the likelihood of a person that is likely to be discriminatory for them to list on inclusive in the first place. And so with technology and branding and how we built the platform and some other things that are pretty boring about how we collect data, we're able to make sure that we're building a platform that addresses the issue of discrimination and is built into the, the fiber of what we're doing from the beginning. And that's awesome because I know I've heard and read quite a few Airbnb, not to be rude, but a few disaster stories. And actually, from your own very experience, is kind of how Inclusive got started. So tell listeners how Inclusive got started. And, you know, this means your experience in booking a space in Idaho. So how, what, tell us what happened exactly. Sure. So, yeah, I was heading to Idaho um, July 4th last year, 2016. And I saw this like really nice cabin and I tried to book it and I was told that it was not available for my dates. I'm really flexible uh, because, you know, I work for myself, so I'm able to travel at any time. So I just found some other dates on the calendar and I requested those dates and I was denied for those dates as well. And I had just been reading about Airbnb while black and people were having issues on the platform. So I thought that I would get one of my friends who happens to be white to try to book those same dates that I was told were not available. And my friend was approved right away. So when this happened, you know, I felt like I was at first surprised, naively surprised in retrospect. And I reached out to Airbnb just to have it solved as a customer service issue for them to see the issue and, and handle it. And the response I got was one that was fairly dismissive. Like they were, you know, basically saying like, well, it could be anything. And and, and I, I just felt like their response was not empathetic. And I went to social media and I wrote an article about it that went viral. Uh, I woke up to over 2,000 emails, many of which contained stories that were very similar to mine. People were being discriminated against based on race, gender identity, sexual orientation, um, you know, all of these different different issues. And I felt like, you know, I had an obligation to do something because I have the ability to do something. I've been in the startup world for a couple of years, building companies. And, you know, I talked to my team and they dropped everything and we started working on Inclusive. So I love that you took a problem that not only personally affected you, but it's basically, this is at this time, it's basically a social issue. It's a social injustice that's going on all over the country, not just with running rooms. And I love that you took your idea and you made it a reality. And one thing that you said was that customer service kind of basically dismissed you. And then after you wrote your own point of view, there was over 2,000 complaints. And that's just crazy that Airbnb doesn't really... 
kind of seems they don't really have a good customer service background in regards to these kind of responses. So how is inclusive different? Yeah, so our customer service process is different in that you can reach us instantly. So you can just go to the website, and, and this was one of the issues that people were having where they would show up to, say, you're going to London from New York City. You show up in London at, like, 1 a.m., and you're having the issues of this type, but you cannot reach someone at some of these other companies, like, right away. I, I've seen stories where the person didn't get a response for, like, three or four days or five days. So you're stuck. So what we decided to do was to tackle that as a serious problem. And basically, at any time, you can go on inclusive.com and look on the right-hand side and chat with us instantly. So our, our customer support kind of changes that experience where you can reach us right away. Luckily, though, you know, we've done thousands of bookings so far, and we haven't had any issues at all related to race and discrimination. And I think that is a result of some of the things that we've built into the platform from day one. Not to say that there's not some possibility that something could slip through the cracks, but um, we've really been focusing on, you know, building a solution that solves these problems as aggressively as we can. And that's one thing that I really love about your brand is that you guys do take customer service very seriously. You do answer instantly. And not just Airbnb and different travel companies as yourself, but a lot of businesses don't have that luxury. And that's mm-hmm. why I think that Inclusive does so well is because you are connected to your community. Thank you very much. So, and you, you, I think that, 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 means, that means a lot to me to hear that coming from you. And, and it's something that is important to the entire team. Like we, we are fully invested, connected. Like, it's, like we're, we're not building something geared towards a community as much as we are, we are living within the, the community and trying to make sure that people that we're working with are, you know, experiencing the world to its, its full potential. So, like, we, we take this very, very seriously. So I know that you had your experience with the whole Idaho situation. And then mm-hmm. shortly after your experience, Harvard came out with the study on Airbnb, and it basically confirmed everything that happened to you. So are you familiar with the study? Let's kind of discuss what the study said. Yeah, I'm very familiar with that study. I I um, actually was on NPR with one of the authors of the study. And basically, they were able to show that by just having an African-American name, not even photos yet, just having an African-American name, like a name that people associate with someone that is African-American, that you were 16% less likely to be approved for a property on Airbnb. That's crazy because from my perspective, first off, how can, I know that there's some names that yes, you can identify as an African-American name, mm-hmm. but to actually sit there and ponder, oh, is this person going to be black? It's just mind boggling that someone takes the time to wonder that to deny them from okay. being in their space. Mm-hmm. So after, you know, you have all these discussions, you're on NPR discussing it. Did you feel vindicated because of the study? Because obviously Also from the study was the Airbnb while black hashtag came out across Twitter and other social Mm -hmm. media platforms. So Mm -hmm. everyone's voicing their stories, telling their opinion. And to be frank, I feel like you jump started that movement because you wrote your post about what was going on with Airbnb and that picked up traction. 
So did you start to feel vindicated by the study and the hashtags? Um, yeah, I I would say that the hashtag first because the hashtag was basically um, hundreds, if not thousands of people that looked like me that were telling the same story that I was telling with posting their screenshots and posting the emails that they've gotten and really showing that, hey, this is not something that is in our minds. Like, this is something that is real and we're living it um, at an individual level and also at a community level. So the hashtag was my first vindication. And then, um, you know, you get a Harvard study to come along and just put the stamp on everything that we've been saying for the longest. But listening to people like me was was really my first vindication. Like I knew that this was real. And, um, you know, the, the Harvard study was just like, you know, the formal um, cosign that then um, was able to like, reach out to you know like spread among like big publications like usa today and forbes and fortune and and the huffington post like they were able to pick it up based on a harvard study but social media had already told me everything that i needed to know about this <laughs> right and isn't it great how social media can connect you so fast these days you can get everything you need to know <laughs> mm-hmm. right from an app yep so absolutely. you have all these you have all these We'll call them negative experiences, but then you create a great product out of it. You create inclusive. So how did you jump on the opportunity to create inclusive so quickly? Yeah, so I I think so two weeks after my my situation happened, we I posted um it was on um like June third or something, because um I was booking in May for my July trip. And I posted on Twitter the landing page and the name of the company and what we were going to do. And I was able to jump on it so quickly because, you know, I'm, it's just kind of like my personality that if I decide that I'm going to do something, I'm gonna just going to go aggressively and do it. And I had some built-in help because, you know, we've built like five other companies before Inclusive as a group of people. And so I was able to reach out to to my team, you know, I have developers in place, web designers in place, my branding folks, social media people in place. We've worked together, we've built other companies that have been successful. So I just reached out to them, told them what was going on and everybody was on board. We moved in together in, in Florida, like we all like lived together and that was able to, you know, get us to move very, very, very quickly. And and now, you know, we're building the platform and people are booking and traveling. but. To answer your question like very, very um, succinctly, I was able to move fast because I already had a team in place that had worked together before and everybody knows their roles and we operate um, like a, a machine in building a company. So that's how we were able to move so fast. Let's actually talk about your team because you have an interesting dynamic, at least from my standpoint. Mm-hmm. So your team all lives together. How does that work out? I know you mentioned everyone knows their roles and everything, but let's go through a maybe like a day-to-day what happens with your team and actually let's introduce them. Yeah, absolutely. So a typical day for us is like, you know, we'll, we'll wake up and, and work out. Um, we, have a, we have a personal trainer that comes to the house. And really? so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we work out in the morning. And then, um, you know, we get on Skype. That's how we 
communicate if we're not in the same room or in the same space. And we start seeing what's happening for the day, seeing if there's something cool to push out to social media, checking our mentions on social media and what people are saying to see if there's anything that we need to respond to. We're, then we're looking at you know the platform to see if there are any development updates, any problems, any bugs that happen overnight. We're planning out um, upgrades to the platform, looking at, at, at the, the designs for our mobile app. We're looking at how many sales we're doing, any customer service issues. So really, it's all around like operations and branding and really thinking about customer acquisition. And we're talking um, all day, either in person or maybe we're in separate rooms and we're talking over Skype. And that's how we work. My co-founder, her name is Akia Myers. She handles a lot of our operations. There's myself. There is Dara. She handles a lot of our media. So if you see videos that come out, with inclusive, um, it was Dara King that took care of that, and her husband Chris Fikir. They do like a lot of our um, editing and music and video work. Then there's Gina. She is our guest relations lead. If you're chatting with us on inclusive, you're chatting with either Gina or a member of her team. And there's Michael. He handles design. Michael's actually in Poland. Um. Stephanie handles like property management and Kevin handles product. Like he manages like the UI for inclusive, like the, like what you would see as a guest navigating the website. And so that's pretty much our core team. Um, development is Nicola, but he's in Serbia. Chitty is our creative director. She's in the UK and everybody else um, lives in the U S and with me in Tampa, Florida. You have a very diverse team, and I understand that you guys all work together and you're on Skype or you're, you're in the house in Florida. So would you re- recommend this kind of team tactic for other startups or even other tech companies? Absolutely. Like, we're, we're, we're not the first to do it. Like, if you look at the history of even Facebook, when they started, mm-hmm. like, um, some of the founders and, and the first employees lived together. So we're, we're it's something that... You don't see it very often, but there are some companies, like if you look on the West Coast and Silicon Valley, you'll see like a lot of employees live together. And it's something that's starting to happen a lot more. I think it's a good idea in that you it, it kind of requires two things. One, it requires you to find people that have like this high emotional intelligence and in that they're able to get along well with other people like live together, have to see each other every day, and you kind of become a family. But but that requires you to make sure that every single person fits in the puzzle. And there isn't, like, like one person could kind of throw off the, the, the dynamic because we live so closely together. So it, it really makes you choose carefully in your hiring. And if you do that, you can kind of create a dynamic that works really, really well. And then the other thing it, that it brings is, you kind of get like traction very, very, very quickly. So while you would have to like commute to work, if you were in a traditional company, those hours where you could be commuting or getting dressed or, you know, doing all these things that don't really add to the bottom line, we're actually together and talking and learning and working long hours and like, you know, waking up at midnight and watching a movie and then maybe start working again at 1 a.m. You know, it really kind of creates this like high energy space 
and we're able to move, I think, a lot quicker than we would be otherwise able to move if we were in a more traditional corporate format. Right. And I know I've seen that that companies are starting to build instead of office space that they're trying to build spaces where everyone can live together as a team for companies. So it'll be interesting to see in the future how that actually pans out. Mm -hmm. So I know in the past, initially you were at Noir B&B. So do you want to explain to the listeners why you had to change the company name? Yeah, um, absolutely. So on on June 3rd last year, we posted, you know, like I, I said earlier, we posted about the company that we were building and we posted our landing page and, and the name of the company and so on. So our original name was Noir B&B with an E, N-O-I-R-E, B&B.com. And right away, I was added to a list of a company called Noir B&B, N-O-I-R B&B. So I reached out to the owner of the list and told him, like, hey, it looks like we're building a very similar company and we should talk. So we started talking for a few days about the potential to work together or merge or something like that. And during those talks, we found out that they had, um, on the second day of of us talking, they had um, filed a trademark for our version of the name. And so we kind of felt like, that killed the trust and we just moved on changed our name to inclusive in about four days and rebranded and um and now you know we're going under the inclusive name um we actually got the name by polling the travel groups on facebook and we had people to submit names and the winner would get like a 500 hundred dollar prize and that was the name that came out and yeah I, I'm actually, it's kind of one of those things where it was like a happy accident. And now, you know, we're very happy with our name and our brand and we're moving forward. And one thing that I want to note and have listeners know about the new Airbnb and the, you know, the merger not working out is that just be careful with the whole, you have to always check trademarking and making sure that you're working with the right people. So I'm sure that was a huge experience that you learned at the very beginning, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we we moved so fast sometime as a, as a collective that that was something that we missed. But we kind of figured, you know, like the first week or first two weeks, it wouldn't have been a big deal, but it turned out to be a big deal. <laughs> so we were, you know, so I, I think that it's something that people could learn from listening to this podcast to be careful in the beginning and to do your due diligence and, and really be clear about trademarks and copyrights and, and things like that as you're getting started. How we were able to rebrand so quickly, it really was a function of us having already having a team in place. So we already had our developers that could, you know, redo the website very quickly, our designers that could come up with a, a, a new logo very quickly. And then we were able to just use Google and we found that there was a company in France that owned the social media for inclusive, like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And we were able to reach out to them. I was up at like three in the morning to talk to this French company. And, you know, I was using Google Translate to communicate with them. And we were able to to get the social media because um, the company was no longer in operations. And all of this took like four days, but it was a very intense time. And it's something that I would not wish on anybody to go through. So if you can be you know, spend some time in the beginning checking trademarks and so on. 
and 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 also trademarking as soon as you can yourself it could probably save you some headaches those are some great tips regarding how to pivot and trademarking so i appreciate you sharing that with my listeners another thing since you you guys have been established for over a year but one thing that i personally notice is that you have a lot of traction when it comes to media coverage so for someone who has a startup or maybe a small business, could you give some tips and advice on how to gain the initial media traction for your startup and how you guys did it? We don't actually have like a PR person. So like we, we just do it our, ourselves as a team. So with media, there's kind of two things that are very, very, very important. One is luck. So what happened with us with Inclusive is there was this bigger story and and it's very important that if you have a brand like think of the bigger story around what is happening in your space so if you're you know some person that is selling t-shirts but you happen to be a black woman that bigger story could be the like black women are the fastest group of entrepreneurs out there and you can reach out to media and really be a part of that bigger story as you talk about your t-shirt business you, you see what i'm saying so it would be very very difficult to pitch that i have a t-shirt company but it's easier to pitch this bigger story around entrepreneurship so for us yeah. there was this bigger story around discrimination and prejudice and bias on airbnb and other platforms so we were able to then reach out and say hey this is a problem and here is a solution that we're creating and we would love to talk to you to tell you our perspective and that's really how we kind of made media happen for inclusive. But the the luck side was really around there being a big story that was happening at the same time. And then the work side, which is the other piece, is us really seeing this and being very, very aggressive to find the authors that were already talking about this bigger story and finding their contact information on Google, Twitter, wherever we could find it and being aggressive about reaching out to them in a systematic way. So that's why I say it takes it takes some luck and it also takes, you know, some some hard work and that's how we did it. And I wouldn't call what you did luck. It's almost as if it was a strategy because you what your business is is a great business. It's not I personally I just don't think it's luck. I think it's strategy and that you have an awesome business plan and a business mind so that's how you were able to create such a great media presence. Gotcha. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. So another thing, even though you have a lot of media coverage, you did win the pitch competition at South by Southwest back in March. Mm -hmm. So are you going to continue to do those type of competitions? And what are you doing to bring in the revenue to keep your business going? Um, yeah. So thanks for mentioning the South by Southwest competition. Um, we won $10,000 at that pitch competition. And that was, you know, that definitely helps. Um, yeah, we do plan to continue these competitions because, frankly, um, you know, it's it's a way for us to network and kind of meet other people in the startup field. But it's also a way for us to just raise money um, to to work on the business. It's a very expensive project that we're working on. We've probably spent um, something close to two hundred thousand dollars already. And we were able to get that money because, you know, from our past successes, like we've built large companies in the past that we still own. And that's how we were able to self-fund 
And our goal is to continue to self-fund as long as we can. And then when we can no longer do that, then probably go into the market to see about raising a fund for inclusive. But until uh, but up to now, we're still self-funded. And and because people can already book on inclusive and people are buying trips and booking accommodations and so on, we're able to use some um, some funds and kind of bootstrap the company up as well. So we're really being creative about how we are raising funds and doing that within the brand of inclusive for right now. That's awesome. I love that you're self-funded and you're trying to bootstrap. Is there any way that my listeners can help support you in any way in that process right now? Yeah, I mean, right now, the best support is to, um, you know, if you're traveling, uh, head to inclusive.com. Uh, we have now 200,000 properties around the world. Um, we're more heavily internationally, that like you're going to find a lot more properties internationally than, than you'll find domestically um, in the U.S., that is. But um, we're, we're also adding about four or 5,000 properties per day as we speak. So if you go to find properties somewhere and you can't find, um, just check back in like a week or two. Like we're, we're adding a lot of properties very, very quickly. So traveling, traveling with us right now will, will definitely help. Um, we also have trips at um, trips.inclusive.com or inclusivetravel.com. We are doing group trips all over the world. We have about 15 right now. So booking group trips definitely helps. And then we also have Inclusive Grow where we kind of help budding entrepreneurs to get started and to, to, to skip some of the mistakes we've made as seasoned entrepreneurs and to get some guidance in building their companies. So people come down and they come to our to, to the inclusive house in Tampa and they stay with us for a week and we like completely tear down their business, build it back up, help them with design and customer acquisition and so on. And that's something that also helps us because some of the funds we raise that way um, also go right back into building out inclusive. So that's what we're doing um, as we speak. So you mentioned the number of properties that you're adding every day. How do you ensure that the owners of the property go along with your tagline, which is travel the world with dignity and love? Yeah, so so there's a couple of different things that we have figured out as we've been working on this business. So there's this bias that we have as human beings that, um, you know, it's very, very difficult to extract. Like you can't get in, to somebody's brain and figure out how they're going to act when they're put in a certain situation. But what you can do is build a platform that mitigates these potential issues and, and builds solutions directly into the platform. So, so as we're building inclusive, we're like looking for as many of these opportunities as possible. And one of these opportunities is, is really how the properties are booked. So, on inclusive and on Airbnb and other platforms, you have two types of properties. One of them are instant book properties where you just go on and you put your credit card in and you're instantly approved. It's just like booking a hotel online. If you have the availability, you can book it. Then the other type of, of the other way of booking is to make a booking request, have the, the host or the property owner see that request and they can say yes or no, we're going to accept you or not. And what we found, and the Harvard study has shown this, is that that second way where the host has to say yes or no, 
that's where the 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 potential for bias and discri and discrimination can creep in. So what we've done is to be is is to go heavily instant book. So right now, ninety nine point nine percent of the properties on inclusive are instant book. So there isn't even the opportunity for bias. Like if as long as your credit card goes th goes through and those dates are available, you can punch it in and book, and you are guaranteed a place to stay. And so that's one of the things that, that we did um, straight off the bat. The other thing we do for the other like 0.1% of properties that are that require the host to approve them, we actually manually approve each host as they're trying to list their properties on the platform. So what we do is we find their properties on other platforms. We look at their reviews. We do like um, an extensive search of their social media. Um, so, 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 so we do was essentially a background check on the hosts, um, and, um, any experience they have listing their properties, like we, we find them wherever they list. It could be Airbnb, host away, VRBO, whatever you can imagine. Like we try to find the properties and look for any reviews and any bad experiences that people may have and good experiences and use that in our decision-making to, to allow them to host or not. So it's, it's, it's a very um, deep process that we go through before we can approve a host to live to, to list on the platform. And, and that's how we do it. I like that you have such an extensive process. I think that eliminates a lot of the issues that companies like Airbnb have. Just doing the background check speaks to your brand. That's why you guys probably don't have as many issues is because you're actually doing the work behind the scenes before any, you, you know, you're ahead of the game. Absolutely, absolutely. One thing that you have mentioned is that basically you guys do a lot of networking and pitching. So the pitching competitions, but you have to network. You have to network with the right people to get the right homeowners to your site. You have to mm -hmm. network with the right people to get your customer base to your site. What are some tips that you have for people regarding networking? So for us, and this is going to be, you know, I'll, I'll just keep it like super real. For us, the only in-person networking that we do is at the pitch competition. So, and and the reason that is is like everything we do, we have to be as systematic as possible and make sure that there's a potential payoff. So, when we have flown to South by Southwest just for a startup network conference where we are walking around handing out cards, probably not. But we will fly there if there's a chance that we can come back with ten thousand dollars. And that's how we approach everything. Like there has to be a potential payoff that is measurable and that can actually affect the bottom line because we don't have the space just to go exchange cards and chit chat. Like we, we, we just don't have that luxury right now. So mm -hmm. that's how we approach it. Um, but when you're there now that there's a potential for, for that monetary payoff, but then there's also potential to connect with uh, potential people that could possibly help you down the line or you could help them down the line on their projects. So that's how we approach in-person networking. Now, online networking, that's where we spend most of our time because we can reach a lot more people a lot faster at a lot lower costs if we're doing it online. So, um, for example, we wanted to connect with a large multinational company that handles properties around the world that we would want to work with as far as inclusive goes. And um, so we were able to 
find that person's contact information on Twitter and reach out to them, set up a Skype call, set up a follow-up call. And now, you know, they, they are a partner with Inclusive and we're able to onboard a ton of their properties and we work very, very closely together and they're based in Finland. And so like, that's where we spend most of our time finding these contacts online and connecting with them um, through Skype calls and video chats and Google Hangouts and, and, and so on. And, and that's where we spend most of our time. That makes sense. I mean, and that's, I guess it's interesting because that's a different way of networking than I've heard in the past. So how did you get your first few customers for Inclusive? Do you remember that moment? Yeah, I remember that moment very, very, very clearly. Um, so we we started um, again like around June last year, 2016, but it took us about seven months to really get the platform in place at a high enough level for us to open the doors. You know, like we had to deal with credit card processing. The technology is very complex. There's a large databases. There is a a large server load, so you can't just like um, host it on like GoDaddy or something. So we, we spent some time really developing the platform. And then when we opened the doors, our first booking actually came from Twitter. So we made a video saying that, you know, Inclusive is um, open and ready for business and we would love to book, love for you to book with us. And we listed some of the countries that we had some really nice properties. And then we started posting like a property per day, like inclusive property of the day or something. And somebody saw that mm -hmm. on Twitter, clicked the link and booked it. And I think the booking was for somewhere like Greece or something. It, it was for Europe. Um, someone was going to Greece and they booked a very, very, a very nice property and it checked out. And, and yeah, that was our first one. So it, it was through Twitter. Interesting. So mm -hmm. I know now you are taking a little bit of a different approach and connecting with your customers and you have started the inclusive podcast. So tell my listeners what they can hear on your podcast. So yeah, the inclusive um, podcast is really myself, um, Kevin Pereira. Um, we have started multiple companies together and Carrie Ann, she's our podcast host. I actually was on her podcast. Um, her podcast is called carry on friends. And we got along so well that we started talking after the podcast was over. And I was like, hey, you should really come on our podcast and help us get it off the ground. And now we're working together on the Inclusive Podcast. And on our podcast, we talk primarily about basically our mindset around building companies that like we've built everything from software companies to local service businesses to subscription box companies to e-commerce. Now we're in accommodation space. So we've done quite a bit um, in the last couple of years building um, brands. And we talk about that. We talk about how we work, how we approach finding customers, how we deal with pricing, how we work, work on branding and positioning your product, how we launch it. So really like this entire process of going from an idea to having some person reach into their pocket, pull out their credit card and buy something that you're offering. And, and we talk I mean, and we attack that from multiple angles every day. That's awesome. How can my listeners listen to your podcast? So we're actually pushing it out on inclusivepodcast.com and you'll be able to go and there you could connect with us on iTunes and SoundCloud and multiple other ways. But 
You can find everything on inclusivepodcast.com. And that's two ends. Perfect. So I know you just previously mentioned that you have been in the startup space before. So let's just talk about your experience in general. So tell my listeners some background information about you, where you grew up, what you've done in the past, and where your experience with technology even began. Yeah, so I grew up in Barbados, and I moved to the United States at 18 years old to go to college. And after college, I, you know, I did accounting and business. And after college, I started working at an accounting firm, and I worked there for, well, I worked in the accounting field for 10 years. So that already was my field. That's, that's what I, I, I studied in college and what I did for most of my career. But after about the first year of this, like not kidding, after about the first year, I knew that I was in the wrong space. I was not doing the thing that I enjoyed most. And I felt like I had to find a way to rescue myself from the corporate world. And it took me, yes, it took me nine years more to figure out how to do it. So I spent the next couple of years, say the next four or five years or so, reading everything I could on internet marketing and, and how to build a business online because I had to find a way to do it without a lot of money. I, I had no money to build a restaurant or something like that. It had to be an online business where I can start with a couple hundred dollars. And I started figuring out internet marketing. Then I started becoming an affiliate on eBay and Amazon. I started doing local affiliate work where I would try to get people to book electricians like services for their home and 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 I would make a cut each time the person um booked a service and basically I everything I would learn as I was learning about internet marketing I would actually put it into practice and build companies and I built a dating site and all this random stuff that I would try to figure out and um and and by doing that and working and failing and getting better and failing and getting better when I eventually built a very simple business like um a home cleaning service but it's really an online platform that connects home cleaners with people that are looking to get their homes cleaned and i did that in the dc area and i had already learned so much about internet marketing that i was able to dominate very very quickly and now um and that business like now does about 2.5 million dollars per year and and um we got there very 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 quickly like in less than 5 years so this whole process, like what I want people to get from that story was that, you know, it, it wasn't really like, you know, I thought about building businesses and I went out and, 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 and did it and it worked. I thought about building businesses. I went out and tried to learn everything I could learn. And then I put it into practice multiple times. It's almost like you want to become like a marathon runner, but you have to go out and start to run and run some more and run some more. And you're going to fail your first marathon that you enter. Most likely you're not going to win. But then over time, you'll become, you become better until the stars align and then you're able to build something that becomes successful. And, and, and now like, we have a lot more consistency where as we're building companies, we're doing a lot better because we have built up the experience and we've built up the team and we've built up the know-how and we're very, very aggressive in going after what we're working on. And now we're able to, we kind of have a system in place on how we build startup companies. So that's my long answer on how um, we got to the point where we are today. Yes, your answer was long, but it was very detailed. And I love that you shared just your whole journey, how you got to where you are. And I hope my listeners are taking notes on what you did so they can be as successful as you in the future. 
That would be awesome. And yeah, I th- thank you. I, 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 I think it's all doable. It just takes some time. It takes some time, but it's very, very doable because you know, we've done it and we've and we found other people on social media. Like my my team is primarily made up of people that I met on Facebook. <laughs> How did you meet on Facebook? So after I built the first couple of companies that did well, I started posting a lot about entrepreneurship and my mindset and how I approached building companies on Reddit. I don't know if you've heard of Reddit. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But for people who haven't uh-huh. heard of Reddit, let's explain what it is. <laughs> yeah. So Reddit is um is a social media platform, but you can post stories and post articles and people can then have conversations on those articles. And you have what 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 is called subreddits where every single topic you can imagine, there's a forum built built around it. So it's really essentially a large forum that is also um, a, a social media platform as well. Um, so on Reddit, on our entrepreneur, entrepreneurs go there to talk about their businesses and, and, and how they build them. And I, I posted some articles on there that became very popular. And from that, I created a Facebook group where a lot of people that would follow me on Reddit would also come over to the Facebook group and we would continue talking and networking and so on. And from that audience, it's about 10,000 people now in my Groove Learning Facebook group. And from that group, I would connect with people and say, oh, this person is very talented in video, you know, and I would talk to them and then they ended up on my team and and that's what they do, um, video production and editing and directing and so on. And um, Kevin, my co-founder, I am, from my Facebook group. Zaki is also from my Facebook group. So um, almost every single person that's on my team is on my Facebook group. And something uh, something I'll say about that really quickly is a lot of times when people are thinking about forming a team to build their company or a partner, they think about their friends. Like, let me like find my some person in my neighborhood or some person in my city or my husband or something like that. And what I do instead is to say, I want to find the best possible person that I can find a very specific role. And the chances of the best possible person also being my friend is very, very slim. So I I like move outside of my friend network and just try to find the best people I can find. And then we we become friends afterwards. We become friends afterwards because things are are successful. We make money. And and we connect and we, we're very, very close now. But I don't do it the other way around. I don't first start in my friend group. I actually start in the universe and try to find the best people I can find wherever they may, may live. And, and that's why my team is so di- diverse with people from Poland, Ghana, Nigeria, the UK, and the United States. Have you ever worked with friends first in the past? No. Any particular reason that you've just never tried that before? I mean, I'm interested by this because I've heard horror stories and seen successes with that. So, yeah. So my my particular reason is is just that I'm really, um, I'm really thinking about um function all the time, like like function, 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 uh, meaning that I need some person that is is incredible at a very specific function. Not some person that's going to say, okay, I'm, I'm a hustler and I'm going to come help you. No, I, I need some person that is very particular and, and creative and incredible. I have a long, um, a long list of achievements in, let's say, website design. This is what they do for a living. 
they this is how they make this is what they've been doing for the last five or six years and they are one of the best people I've, I've ever encountered at this particular thing it just so happens um if i had a friend like that then i will work with them yes but um i'm not going to start in my friend network um primarily um because you know i i i don't come from a space where most of my friends are entrepreneurs so i i know that's not where i should start if i'm looking for people that are actually um that actually bring a very strong skill set in a very particular function. There's some people that, you know, like this is what they've been doing forever and they have a big network of friends that happen to be doing this thing and then that will make sense. But for me, it did not make sense. I think that also goes along with, have you ever heard when people say your friends are not your customers? Absolutely. That's another thing too. So it's kind of that same, that same mindset there. Your friends are not your customers and they might not be the best business partners. So from my perspective, I like to usually keep things separate unless I know that what I'm working on is something that is a passion of someone that I already yeah. know, then of course, why not bring them in? But it's usually um, best to keep separate. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. And I'm glad you said that too, that friends are not your customers. So, <laughs> so this is something that we talk about here a lot where and this is something that, that we say, and it's going to probably sound harsh, but the fastest way and, and, and the surest way to be disappointed when you're launching a company is to expect a ton of support or, or, or purchases or whatever else from your friends. For, like, I've, I've done this a million times over, and there is no requirement and no obligation for your friends to actually be um sharing your stuff and 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 retweeting it and and purchasing and buying your things there's no requirement and so like while you know you do want to tell your story and and have your friends like give them the opportunity to, to support you like i i've i've realized that most of the support we've ever gotten have been from people that we've never met and our product or our service or our story just c connects with it with that person very very well and it kind of fits exactly what they're looking for. And then, you know, is is a perfect match. But you can't expect that from your friends. Just like I also don't expect that my friends are going to be um, the people that would be the perfect match for my company as I'm building out. So I, <laughs> I, like that, I, I like that you added that to the equation as well. So we've kind of talked about your businesses. We've talked about inclusive. I'm going to talk about the future a little bit. So what do you see as the future for inclusive? This is going to sound crazy, but I feel like we have a shot at building a billion-dollar company. Um, Why do you think that sounds crazy? It sounds crazy because um, I feel like there haven't been – there has not been uh, – okay, there have been very few companies that have – that look like what our company looks like, that speaks to the demographic that our company speaks to, that have grown to that size. Like very few. I think maybe BET is one of them. The the list is like probably less than 10, probably less than five actually. So it, it will be a serious outlier. But if you look at the travel market, where you're talking about something like $60 billion with a B per year, of travel within just the African American community, not just not um, people of color, or you know, not not thinking about other people of color, or um, 
um, different uh, minorities, just just this one segment of the travel market, we're talking about sixty billion dollars per year. When you start to think about um, other minorities, it, it's, it's, a, it's a huge market. And it's a huge market that's also being ignored by the traditional travel companies. So, and by traditional travel companies, I'm talking about accommodations. I'm also talking about transport. Um, uh, I'm talking about experiences around travel. Like we're not being reflected in the marketing and the, and the brochures and the home pages of these websites. We're just a, a ignored segment of the market that also happens to be a large one that also happens to be the fastest growing segment of the travel market. So we feel that, you know, coming into the space and being authentic and speaking directly to our audience and creating experiences that connect and that reflect how people of color travel and see the world, that we have the opportunity to be, to, to build a big company as long as we, as long as we continue to do right by, by our customers and um, stay engaged and put out the content that we're putting out, we really have an opportunity to to do something that is life changing, and we're committed to being here for the long haul. I don't think that's crazy. I think that's just a goal that you are setting yourself up for, and I think that's very attainable as long as you have the right one, the right people around you, and two, you keep having that same hustler's mentality. I think it's achievable. I don't think that's crazy. Well, I I, I feel like I, I really feel that we can do it. So I'm glad you don't think it's crazy today. <laughs> Sometimes like when we get together as a team, like we, man, I wish you could listen to some of the conversations, but everybody here is like completely committed and we wake up every single day looking to not only do good by the business, but also change the experience for, for millions of people around the world that have to be, um, you know, have to deal with some of the issues that we're trying to solve. Awesome. So also, I, so you have big plans for the future, but I guess in more of the immediate future, will there be an inclusive app coming out? Oh, absolutely. So what we've, what we've been doing right now mm-hmm. is working on the platform. And the platform is supposed to be in a very stable place by the end of August. So at the end of August, like once the platform is stable, then we can spin off and divert our development resources to building the app. Um, the platform is built in such a way that building the app will not take very long uh, or and will not be as complicated a process as if we had built the original platform in, in a different way. So I think you, you should see the inclusive app um, about two to three months after August. So that will put us into November. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the timeline for the next few months. And I will be on the lookout for an inclusive app. And then how can myself and the people listening to this podcast help support inclusive be successful? Well, first, you know, I, I want to thank all of the people that have supported us so far. We have gotten like all this crazy press from like some of the biggest media outlets imaginable. And I would have never thought that would have happened. We've had like so many people sharing our stuff on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. We we had a, our first trip to Cuba and like people like bought it out almost as soon as we posted it online. Um, people have been traveling already in the platform. So we want to thank them for that. And, you know, just, just, you know, keeping an eye out for what we're doing. And if, if we share something that connects and you can reshare it, 
like it's crazy how far that goes so we really appreciate that and um you know if there's something that we're offering um um as far as accommodations or travel or group trips or whatever else and you can join us we would love that to happen and you can contact us and stay in touch in our travel group it's called travel with inclusive on facebook and i'm in there every day and if you want to connect with me you can find me in there or find me on facebook.com rohan jilts and i'm not gonna lie i was jealous when you guys went to cuba because i couldn't go <laughs> i didn't have the time <laughs> off at that time so if you guys go again i definitely want to join that group trip um we're definitely going again in 2018 so um you know unless something crazy happens with with um legislation that stops us from going but for right now we're planning to go in 2018 again awesome mm-hmm. so obviously last but never least let everyone know where we can find the inclusive brand on social media websites all that jazz so everyone can connect with you and the company sure so we are inclusive.com that's two n's i-n-n-c-l-u-s-i-v-e.com and then you can find us on that same name on all the major platforms. So Twitter.com inclusive, Instagram.com inclusive, Facebook.com inclusive, and then our travel group, um, Travel with Inclusive. Um, and if um, there's someone listening that would like to reach me directly, you can reach me at Rohan at inclusive.com. Awesome. Thank you, Rohan, for all of your time today and for dropping all that great information that the listeners can hopefully take back and use. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much.